You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Oh no, what happened? Oh, and welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We are here. It's the end of the Super Bowl. It's the end of the season. We are here. We are going to talk about everything. But before we get into that, I want to give our guests a proper introduction. Person you're hearing talk right now. My name is Jeremy Rice. I'm manager of Pride of Detroit. Uh, I am the, what are we, the interim coach also of this podcast is what we're going with. Uh, with us as uh, always now, our co-host Ryan Matthews, Ryan underscore POD. <clears throat> There's also <laughs> I forgot to give you the break as well. This is starting off. I'm I'm nervous being being the uh, the lead here because we have a, a a guest here who is is very familiar in the co-hosting role, and I'm clearly blowing it in front of him. His presence is just making me nervous. I think that's what's happening right now. So introduce them. I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to build some, <laughs> some, some anticipation amongst the people that aren't watching live and already have the spoiled. But you're you're not helping at all, Ryan. I appreciate that. They probably read the headline. He's back. <laughs> he is back, Chris Perfett. Back as a guest this time, Chris. We've missed you. How have you been, bud? What the fuck have you done with my podcast while I was gone? <laughs> what What was I, I? Honest to God, I feel like uh, that one guy from the cooking show whose name I'm forgetting, and now I'm being very adequate right off the bat. Gordon Ramsay. I feel like Gordon Ramsay coming in here is like, it's like, do you do you eat off <laughs> these plates? <laughs> John Tafferty <laughs> podcast rescue. That could honestly be a real show, given how many podcasts are out there now. Like the yeah. po- you have to understand, the podcast market is flooded. I- I'm sorry, we're we're gonna. T- I know you guys want to talk Lions and sports Super Bowl very soon, but like the podcast market's flooded out there. There are so many podcasts who probably get like a hundred downloads a, a a week and have like you know so much money thrown behind it like yahoo guys doing fucking skullduggery or whatever their political podcast is like those guys need help like they need to get two pieces of bread sandwiched behind between their face and be, say you you are a take sandwich <laughs> What happened? We're, we're above them, right? Like I haven't, I haven't. Well, introduce me. You haven't even introduced yet. Ryan as Rock God. What it's are my credentials? Good. What are my credentials? I, I did. I don't know. You're on like Fox Sports and stuff. Yes, I am a technical He's, producer at Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> He's the adequate guest. Come on. 
I am a Twitter <laughs> dilettante. That's what I should have said. I should have said he's the adequate guest, and now I adequate feel like I want to restart. Wow. <laughs> yeah, how many times have we done this where I was like, I want to restart, and Ryan is like, no, we're keeping that. No, I'm, I'm not. We're not doing it. I mean, I probably could have said about... I, I probably could have just said 10 different ways you can listen to the podcast. That way you would have felt more at home. Yeah, you but, know, iHeartRadio. Um <laughs> Stitcher, uh, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Stitcher. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Still got it. Still got it. Uh, all right. On this week in the on the POD cast, we are going to talk Super Bowl right off the bat. We got a couple uh, key Lions players that some rumors are floating around. We're going to get to that in the second segment. But I do want to start with the Super Bowl because obviously it just ended. 31-20, uh, the Chiefs pull out a 21-point fourth quarter to come back and win their first Super Bowl in 50 years. Um, Ryan, I'm going to let you do a victory lap because you, you predicted, you, I mean, I'm sure it didn't play out the way you expected necessarily, but I thought the, the 49ers were going to win this game. You didn't, didn't straight up say it, but you clearly thought the chiefs were going to win and wanted the chiefs to win. So, uh, I'll, I'll give you first word on, on Sunday's, uh, fun game. I was right. You were wrong. <laughs> I'm smart. You're dumb. Uh, Thank God for sight. I was actually, I was, I was actually looking, or I was listening to our preview podcast earlier because I don't know why, but just because I was recounting kind of some of the things that we talked about, and uh, I did make sure that I mentioned that Patrick Mahomes was going to overcome the Madden curse, and uh, I said if there was one person that would have been able to do it, one person who would have been able to change the fate in their stars, it would be Patrick Mahomes, and that <laughs> God given. <clears throat> rocket cannon of an arm a red rocket if you will and he did it he did it our, our think- beautiful boy did it chris i know man. i'm gonna throw this out right so now happy. though do you think he deserved mvp actually um i'm sorry ryan do you want to take it ryan because i i have my own answer on this you you be the take sandwich he shook his head by the way to those listening he shook his head no Okay. Well, I can't, I can't tell, you know, we're just, we're a million miles away or whatever it is. Uh, I am one of those guys who like, I, I didn't, I just didn't think that he was that good in three quarters. So I was kind of hesitant on it. I, I almost wanted to give it to Sammy Watkins that night. Cause I thought Sammy Watkins did an excellent job. Um, I wish I could remember the name of the running back now, but I've done zero show prep as always. Uh, Beautiful. but I thought, uh, he did a phenomenal job. I'm looking it up right now. Um, excuse me, Damien, Damien Williams. Damien Williams did a phenomenal job. Uh, I was I was almost going to call him Daryl Williams. That's why I was trying to look this up. So I'm trying to like not lose my crap. Um, Damien Williams, I thought like I mean he had he rushed for over a hundred yards there. He scored a touchdown. He when Mahomes was getting a lot of pressure, I thought Williams was keeping them in the game but when you have a name like Patrick Mahomes when you come back from 10 down in the last 10 was it right the last 10 minutes and six. last six and you do what they've done all all postseason Jeremy all postseason they've done this three games it's like an NFL record where you're down double digits and it's like that ain't no problem yeah feeding feeding them feeding my uh, employer there that ain't no problem that ain't no problem it's it it's yeah it's kind of a hard situation because like you said 
he he wasn't he was bad in the first three. I would really argue the first three and a half quarters. Yeah, I feel like but the reason they won wasn't how he played in the first three and a half. It was how he played in the final. Oh, absolutely. Half the quarter, and I mean, I don't like just kind of you know defaulting to the quarterback for your MVP award, and maybe Damian Williams deserves it, but I mean. Damien Williams wasn't that good in the first three quarters either. I think before he had that long run, he was averaging something like 3.3 yards per carry. So essentially with Damien Williams, you're just kind of looking at the box score and say, oh, he scored two touchdowns. Let's pick him. Yeah, I'm not going to so lose. I'm not going to with Mahomes. I'm not going to lose sleep over the Super Bowl MVP. I'm not like, yeah, cool. That is it's who it is. Thing. But yeah. I, I have my vote for who Super Bowl MVP should have been. And just hear me out. I think it should have been Jimmy Garoppolo for how bad he was. <laughs> Here, okay, but but it's it's like the same situation as as what as the Chiefs being good in the last quarter. He was just bad in the final corner. He was he was very good in the first three. Oh, he was, was very he? good on that interception when he had his eyes closed. It was like mediocre <laughs> okay, for well, three. Like, okay, I, yeah, I bring. Well, I have no. He was like seventeen of twenty for like. 210 yards or something. Listen, I have no joy in reporting any of this. I'm ruining. I was, I was getting harangued viciously by my good boys discord and being fed all sorts of very racist anti-Italian things. And I was rooting for him to pull it off. So we talk about olive oil charm, but uh, this is the right result. I just felt bad for my boy, Jimmy. That's all. What was the prop bet on his gator on the sidelines Gatorade on, on the 49ers being filled with ragu? I would have put a prop bet on that. You know what, Jeremy? I, I already am looking in the, in the mailbag, and I see there's some other thing that is demeaning my race, and I will not put up with this tonight. I am a guest in the house, and you know what? I don't have to be polite in the house that is the guest. You have to be polite to me as the host. Uh, I want to name you know one what? more. I w- you haven't been around in a month. Those aren't the rules here anymore. Really? Okay. Well, this is more like a trap house then. Okay, cool. Um, I want to I want to bring up one more name, and uh, I... I I am probably not, I say I'm going to write something on this and I'm probably not going to, if I do throw this, it'll be on a medium somewhere, but uh, I was really impressed with Tyron Matthew this game too. I, not enough to say he was my Super Bowl MVP, but I, I really feel like among the redemption stories, an island of misfit toys that was assembled in Kansas city between Sammy Watkins and some of these other guys and filling in for like Kareem Hunt getting dismissed with, which is why I give credit to Damian Williams and some of these other guys who are just really finding second life in Kansas city. Tyron Matthews sticks out. Uh, you know, he spoke very well after the game too. Uh, he just, I, I liked, I liked Tyron Matthew in this game a lot. I thought he played very well. Yeah. Frank he, Clark too. I forgot about Frank Clark, another misfit um, toy there. Yeah. Not not as big a fan of Frank Clark as I am him, but uh, I, I do think Tyron Matthew. It was kind of a, a a redemption story for him. He he had a great playoffs. I didn't notice him that much in the, in this game, but um, you know, six tackles, four solo. So certainly uh, a somewhat eventful game. Um, I kind of want to open this up to to maybe more uh, macro things. You know, overall takes you have either from the season, from the playoffs, from the Super Bowl game. Yeah, I want to talk um, more about this game. Like, I mean. That was an incredibly entertaining Super Bowl. Holy crap. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. no, just everything down to it. Um, this game kind of had everything for everyone. I didn't pay attention a lot to the commercials. 
Uh, I saw the Kool-Aid man giving birth to a baby nut and decided to just start blowing my brains out with a, just smashing my head with a hammer during, during the commercial break. So I didn't see a lot of these things. Uh, I, I regained consciousness when Lil Nas X and Sam Elliott were having a CGI dance off battle, but whatever. Uh, but I mean, we've had, I think I, I've gone back and said, like, I think I've been saying to some people like the past 10 years of Super Bowls has been really good for the sport. Yeah. Like they've been good Super Bowls, except for maybe 2019. And this didn't yeah. disappoint at all. Like, I mean, you had come from behind. Even then, I I was fine with how the 49ers are playing. You had exactly what I think you wanted. You had a rising star on the other side, and I'll, I want to talk about him in a second. And you had Smash Mouth, and people love that style of football. I know we all kind of poo-poo on the, you know, the the, the, the popular, anti-popular thing to do. The popular take to be contrarian is to say all these kids today, they're only obsessed with passing numbers and throwing. No, I think enough guys still like the smash mouth defense. They still like the heavy run game. 49ers brought that you had two diametrically opposite, opposite and very popular styles of football in this game makes for great content, man makes for fantastic content. You've got 49ers who are one of the storied franchises of the old money of the NFL. You've got the Kansas city, like they even said, this is what it's been over 50 years, you know, coming up, they won the name with their founders, you know, the hunt family, their name on the, the AFC trophy, very much the story of why this, the NFL is as it is because of the chiefs and the AFL and the chiefs were the AFL, them and the Raiders. Those are like the two biggest names from the AFL. I mean, you could probably say the bills too, but I'm digressing from my point. Those like, you had this all, and I've met a lot of Chiefs fans, and it's a big, big fan base. So you had this all lined up perfectly. Even aesthetically, it looks really good with the 49ers and their whites and the Chiefs and the Reds. And then the halftime you know show a lot was of people great from too. Kansas? No. Uh, listen. <laughs> listen, I, I take no pleasure in what happens uh, with our president <laughs> on, on Sunday night. I, I Pray for the people of Missouri and Kansas, because I know what happened last time. They had a border conflict not involving uh, Jayhawks and Tigers basketball. But I, 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 you, I do. I, right. <laughs> Listen, this is the night of the Iowa caucus, up- and I'm like really distracted right now. Okay. <laughs> I do think you bring up a good point that the the Super Bowl kind of had a little bit of something for everyone in terms of those people that are clinging to smash mouth run game football and, and those who are in the new school. Now I, I kind of take away from this game. I think a lot of people take away from this game. This is like, this is the passing of the torch. Like old school football doesn't have a place in the NFL anymore. We saw it. We saw the 49ers try it for three quarters and it worked for three quarters, but it, it doesn't work against the best of the best of new era football anymore. Um, I think it would be a mistake to jump to that conclusion because I feel like if you played this game out 10 times, you get a different result every time, pretty oh, sure, much. Sure, sure. That means it's just a great um, game. I think the 49ers absolutely prove they're, they they belong there. I feel like they, they win that game maybe at least three, four times if it's played over again. I mean, they were in control of that game for three and a half quarters, kind of legitimizing the way they're building a team. Um, just because they didn't win it doesn't mean that Chiefs throw the ball 60 times a game. Uh, you know, get a quarterback who's who's elite. You know, you ha- you have to have your 100% elite quarterback to win in this 
league. I don't I don't think any of that is necessarily true. And and of course we like to jump to those sort of conclusions based on one game, but um the four managers deserve to be there and they they were potentially the best team in the NFL. But and I'm gonna bring up a stat to you. Do you know how many times there's been a double digit lead in the Super Bowl, Jeremy? How many times? Thirty two times. You know what the record mm-hmm. is for the team that leads by double digits at some point in the game? I know they've lost at least twice, and Kyle Shanahan had to 29 do twenty nine and three. <laughs> Sixty <laughs> oh, so two thirds of those losses belong to Kyle Shanahan in oh, some no. form or another. Poor I'm guy. just saying. I saw some people saying he's the new Andy Reid, which makes it even more oh. great that Andy Reid's the one who wins. <laughs> they've passed yeah, the. Yeah, I was gonna say if there's any if there are any torches being passed, it's being passed from Andy <laughs> Reid to Kyle Shanahan. Good luck, buddy. I'm like, I saw I saw some great stuff out of Philadelphia sports talk today too, where they were like, "Hey, were we all wrong about Andy Reid in the end?" And I'm like, "Maybe you weren't. I mean, you were right about him at the time, but I mean, maybe. I mean, but he I always got too." bad of a rap. The dude, the dude is coached for 20 years and had three losing seasons. Right. No, but back to Kyle. Matt Patricia is coached for two years and has two. <laughs> 100%. He's two for two, baby. <laughs> That's consistency, folks. Uh, listen, try I, to strive I just... for that consistent model. I just think Kyle Shanahan, I'm not saying Kyle Shanahan's a choker, kind of like with, you know, with Patricia, we, it's, it's, he's, a, he's a younger coach. He was only on offensive coordinator with the Falcons when that happened to him. It's a funny stat. It's not a great one to be part of. And as I show, as I said before, the, the Kansas city chiefs came back three times in these playoffs from down double digit points. Like incredible. They've got it down. That, that that's never been done in NFL history. That's, that's a, they, they've got the idea of coming back from a st- a science. And once again, <laughs> Shannon Sharp, that ain't no problem. So I, I mean, it sucks, but no, I think you're right, Jeremy. We played this over and over and over again. We're going to get different results each time because like yeah. just Patrick Mahomes was the better player in the quarter that in the time that mattered. And that's why like he's overcome the, he's overcome the Madden curse. You, you have to, you are the guy who comes over the Madden curse. If you're not like say Tom Brady, I, that doesn't count. Who cares? He cheated on that one, but you win the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl MVP, and congratulations. Now you're you're going to be the face of the of the the NFL. Like Tom Brady's going to be skedaddling in a couple of years. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be riding off the sunset before long. Thank you guys. Bless up, folks. Bless up. And who's going to be up to stop him? Because I I think you've got some promise in Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson, but none of them are yet going to be the Manning to Mahomes Brady. Uh, I mean, they're, they're just not there yet. They're just not there yet. And I, I mean, who knows? Maybe Patrick Mahomes falls back down to earth, but he's been doing this for a couple of years now. And uh, it's impressive. It, it does feel like it could potentially be Mahomes and Jackson, though, right? Like, I, I both think in Watson, the AFC, don't, so kind of perfect. Don't discount Watson. I think once someone gets wise and fires Bill O'Brien... Watson will be unchained. Maybe. Ryan, you need to get in on this conversation. I, I, see, I, I see feel like he's, this conversation is catered to you. How are you just sitting there and being quiet? I'm just I'm I'm just you're, thinking you're just about in it right now. I really am. I mean, think about how I want to almost take the stance at how good does the future of quarterback looking in this league? It looks great. It looks fantastic. Like, Everyone's got their head out of their asses and has stopped trying to make these kids 
turn into their idea of, a, of an NFL quarterback. They're tailoring their offenses to them, which is how it should be. Right, which just opens up the possibilities of the players who can make the transition from college to the pro game. If you know, if NFL coaches continue on this trajectory of of modifying or you know changing their schemes to fit their personnel, I mean, look at all the success that has been had with the Chiefs deciding to really you know push the gas with Mahomes and let him take shots downfield in a way that Alex Smith wasn't necessarily always given the keys to that kingdom because they're just two different styles of quarterback. Much, much in the same way that it's, it's awesome to see the Ravens using Lamar Jackson to his strength and his rushing ability. And you think about if you want to make this lion centric, think about all the stuff that Daryl Bevel did with Russell Wilson in Seattle. There's a reason why those guys are so successful. And it's because they have these coaching staffs that are in place to maximize their, their potential. And now I'm thinking about the Lions coaching staff and getting <laughs> sad. Well, and you kind of lead me into the final point I want to make before we, we move on <clears throat> to the second segment where we're going to talk more Lions specific stuff. But is there anything you, you do take from the playoffs, from the Super Bowl, from whatever that, that kind of, I mean, everyone tries to push the, the narrative towards their own team. So is there anything you learned from this postseason that can be related to the Lions, whether it's, you know, a team like the 49ers and Ravens, both kind of run heavy teams, um, seeing a lot of postseason successes. Is, is that potentially give you more confidence that, you know, the way that the Lions are trying to build, not not necessarily confidence that they can build it, but at least that the, their ideal of a team is still, you know, pragmatic in today's NFL? <laughs> Listen, there's three ways to build a team in the NFL. There's three, there's three ways in my mind. They, these are overarching. These are simplified. You're gonna, you can poke a billion holes in what I'm about to say, but I consider these the three archetypes. You either have a stellar core, like you either have, your team is either built by a preponderance of talent that overwhelms everything else you are doing on, on the field and shows itself, which the Lions do not have, you either have a brilliant scheme that takes advantage of the talent of everyone that you have and elevates them, which the Lions are not able to do. They like to shove square pegs into round holes and start screaming that it's not working. Or you have just generational players that are just like at a, at a few key positions and able to overcome just... You know, and that they get on the best hot streak of their lives, which I mean, maybe that happens with with Stafford or something. But I mean, we we had we had the archetypes out there. We had Kyle Shannon, who had built in a very impressive team, and again, up until it fell apart, he like had great defensive schemes. He had a great defensive staff around him. He had a great offensive blueprint in place that mitigated the the problems with Jimmy Garoppolo. And on the other side, you had Andy Reid calling a game plan of his life to kind of turn it around, lean on the preponderance of talent that Kansas City had, and had a generational talent like Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry, the Lions don't have any of that right now. Uh, they still show themselves in a bit of disarray. You can you can look at something and say like, hey, you know, they like to run the ball. Okay, great, but they're still awful at doing it. They, they've been awful at doing it. Cool. They want to. They want to. I want to date Shakira. She was fantastic up on that stage. It's not going to happen. 
uh, you know, I just and not with that attitude. <laughs> no, not with that attitude at all, and not with a couple pounds on me. I just I I'm sorry to be so negative about Patricia, but I just feel like this year is just completely wasted, and I'm I have yet to see anything out of him and Quinn that will say that they're either going to have the talent in place that they need to replicate any of this in the time that they probably have available. And to be honest, like. Uh, Jeremy, we just talked about this new generation coming up. It's going to come faster than you think. Uh, the AFC is loaded with quite a bit of it. We'll see what happens in the NFC. I mean, the nice thing is Burrow is probably going to the AFC. So you're going to miss a lot of these younger quarterbacks who are now more suited to the offenses that they're joining. I I, I just don't see where that blueprint... What's what's there for the Lions to replicate? What What can they replicate with a coach that just doesn't seem... That just doesn't seem like he wants to replicate anything successful from any of these teams because he will look at them and he will just be repulsed by the idea that he just did not have this here or it doesn't fit what he wants to do. It just there's nothing the Lions can learn from this from this Super Bowl other than the fact that you're just this is what you're going to have to start thinking about once the Boston boys are gone. I think we're going to leave it that with our first segment. We're going to leave Chris with the final word, our guest, our adequate guest. When we come back, though, we are going to talk more Lions stuff. We're going to talk about some rumors surrounding two very important players for the 2020 season. And we've got an, a, a, we, we've got a recurring segment and a very special surprise oh. about that recurring segment. So you better stay tuned. We'll be right back with the POD cast. And we are back with the Pride Detroit POD cast, your Super Bowl, your post-Super Bowl edition. Um, let's move on to the Detroit Lions, put the Super Bowl in the in the rear view. We are now heading towards 2022. And you know what? Let's just get into, into, into it because we have a brand new theme song for our favorite recurring segment. Wow. To a talk. Hit it. All right, that is our new theme for Tua Talk. Um, Tua Talk is going to be an extensive segment this week because there were a there was a lot of news coming out of Miami, and let's let's talk about it all. Um, our good friend Omar kicked things off, um, kind of tripling down on his previous take, saying that not only are the Lions infatuated with Tua, but Matthew Stafford's on the trading block. There's a rift between him, him and Patricia, which is something we heard two years ago, but haven't really heard since. Um, basically, the Lions are looking to blow things up at quarterback. Tua is on his way to Detroit, essentially. All that crazy stuff. And then. A couple hours later, it seems, the Miami Herald, and let me make sure I get the the writer of the Herald report correct, um, it was Armando Salguero 
says that the, and, and let me quote him here, the, the Tango Vailoas are concerned another poor season could force the Lions to fire Patricia, putting the quarterback in an uncertain 2021 situation of being a draft pick the new coach didn't make. So basically saying the Tango Vailoas are not a huge fan of the Lions drafting their son to uh, Ryan, let me let me start with you. How much of this, of this are you buying? Uh, well, I'm not buying anything that Omar Kelly is selling because I am not interested in purchasing any beachfront ocean property in Montana these days. So you can also not sell me on that as well. And the, the Matthew Stafford having a rift with Patricia, I, I barely even really remember that being a thing, but we haven't heard anything of the like since. And I feel like if there was truly a rift, I don't know if Matthew Stafford would ever let that become public. Like he just seems like right. the type of quarterback who would keep that within the locker room. So whatever. All I know is that everything that Omar Kelly says needs to be taken with a gigantic grain of salt. But the thing I do buy is the Lions not being the best place for Tua. And I I agree with their family in the sense that if the Lions do have another down season, Martha Ford has, has pretty much said that this is the year. And if this isn't the year, then as Chris has so adequately and awesomely dubbed them, the Boston boys are going to be out of here. And if they're out of here, then Tua is all of a sudden in this uncertain Josh Rosen situation yeah. with the Arizona Cardinals from, from a year ago, and they end up taking Kyler Murray number one. Who knows if any incoming – I mean, it would just be asinine. It would be absolutely insane if a franchise were to spend a number three overall pick on a quarterback – and not take that into consideration when hiring a coach. So, but, you know, dealing outside of those hypotheticals, I think that I just view this situation as, I mean, it's 100% accurate how the, how the Tongo Viola family is, is spinning it because I don't see how you can argue that. Well, the, the one thing that kind of complicates the situation is right after that Miami Herald report comes out, Tongo Viola's agent comes out and says, no, 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 no. He would love to play in Detroit. And, and, of course, that's his job. He needs to make sure he Damage looks like control. he's... Yeah. Um, but, but he also... I, I saw him talk to Dave Burkett down at the Super Bowl, his agent, and he also said a place like Detroit is ideal in, in one uh, facet in that it's probably best for Tua to sit his rookie year. With his injury, with all that, his agent went out and said it's probably best if he finds a place where he can sit his first year. And Detroit would obviously be that place because... As much as Omar Kelly apparently wants it to happen, Matthew Stafford's not getting traded. It costs the team more for him not to be on the team than for him to be on the team. He's not going to get traded. So if the Lions were to somehow do this, pull the trigger on two at three, I think that would be the plan is to hold on to Stafford for one more year, which we we know how that works out. We know how pissed off Brett Favre was at the at the Packers for years after that whole situation with Aaron Rodgers, though. Obviously, it worked out kind of okay for the Packers overall. Um, if that were to happen, that that that's how it would roll. That's how it would roll out. But it, but as you mentioned, that that's a huge risk for Tango Vailoa because yeah, if if the Lions bomb twenty twenty and things aren't looking great at the moment, uh, yeah, then you absolutely could have a Josh Rosen situation. And that's an ugly way for a, a rookie quarterback's career to start. Yeah, and to the point, oh, yeah. who wants who wants to go to a team where you don't even know who the coach is going to be in a year? Like, I mean, when kids are coming out of high school, uh, 
a position coach who recruits them to their position. They go there to for that coach, and then you know we've seen this. This is how basically when Ohio this let, let me make this as local as possible. Ohio State had its claws into Cast Tech a few years ago. Like Ohio State, this was before Har- John Har- Jim Harbaugh got to Michigan and started to really straighten things out. Cast Tech, the heart of like great Detroit football, is sending guys to Ohio State. Unthinkable twenty years ago. Here's the thing, like they they recruited some kid there. I forget his name. I forget his position. And that position coach recruited him to Ohio State, then took a job somewhere else. The kid's pissed off because now he's committed there for the foreseeable future without the guy who recruited him, without the guy who understood his talents and what he could do. Uh, he can't get out of there. The, the, the high school coach is pissed off because he promised his, that his kid was going to be all right. And that matters. Like this. So I, I think that's where this all falls apart. And this, I think, is a lot of the justification for why, why Tua's family might be feeling this. To most of the rest of the world, the Lions are a rickety house of cards right now. They they understand that, that Matt Patricia has had two massive losing seasons, vastly underperforming with what talent he has been, and with a lot of public stories that have seen guys go to the press and say things like, yeah, things just aren't great here. You had Richard Sherman Super Bowl week talking about how you know he could have gone to Lions, but he hated the idea of the culture there. He's winning an NFC championship over in San Francisco. Like, with Quandre Diggs, you know, getting shipped out of town unceremoniously up to Seattle. Uh, Darius Slay fighting over, once again, new, new news here today, Jeremy, on, on Monday night about uh, Darius Slay clashing heads again over a long term contract. Like, at this point, we'll it's a, a little more. Yeah, I'm sorry. At this point, it's a track record for the Lions. It's a reputation the Lions have now. That's the worst part. That's the most concerning part. You have a reputation. I know people are saying this is the Patriot way. No, it's not. <laughs> the Patriot way would not be letting this kind of stuff happen if the Patriot way was real. But it's not real either. And you're not replicating the Patriot way here in Detroit. I'm sorry. This isn't worth like this. I, I kind of warned about this a few months ago that the way Patricia and Quinn have kind of treated some of these issues would come back to bite the Lions because this is not a vacuum. Players talk. Players see what's going on with each team. They understand that dreaded word culture, which is a byway of saying just how teams do business, how they treat their players. And again, you you saddle that up with the fact that you don't even know if Patricia's going to be the coach in 2021. Uh, I do feel that the agent was doing damage control because that's really the only thing you really can do there. That's a terrible... This isn't the age of of Elway or even Eli Manning and Philip Rivers where quarterbacks really want to be out there publicly having a say. Even Joe Burrow was was wise enough when asked about like do you really want to go to Cincinnati? He just danced around it. He danced around it very skillfully. Uh this is it it's it's something that I think they stepped in and they're just trying to get under control. Uh now to the idea of the pick itself, I mean, I, Ryan, you bring up, I mean, you got you, you, both you, Ryan, Jeremy, you bring up a good point as far as you, the best thing you can do though, as a young quarterback is to sit that year. That's, that's fantastic. And yep. if you are committed to your future as Tua, I'm sorry to say, but like Stafford ain't got much of a say in that at the end of the day. Like, I mean, 
Yeah, it I, sucks. I, I it sucks talk- for him. It ruins that reputation. That's kind of the, the 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 risk you take of drafting a new quarterback like that. For me, I'm not sure I even like the idea of Tua as a quarterback for the Lions to come. There's going to be some other guys in the future I like a lot more, be it Trevor Lawrence or Jordan Love out of Utah State. Tua, I almost feel like, has a bit of the same problem that USC quarterbacks of yesteryear had, where he's surrounded by fantastic offensive line play and fantastic receivers, and he is talented. What? Great receivers. Great receivers, even. And I think Tua is talented, but to be that guy, like a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson, I don't know, man. And the injury worries me, too. So I And I I do want to talk about the pick a little bit more, because... Uh, I think the the idea is gaining at least a little bit of traction. It's certainly being talked a lot, talked about a lot, and and a lot of people are are genuinely curious. And and it was one of the questions in the mailbag today, and we might as well just bring it up now. Is like why someone asked why is everyone at POD staunchly against this? Why? Because I mean, we we put out kind of in just a, a roundtable a couple of weeks ago saying should the Lions draft two at three, and everyone just wrote no, and we published it. <laughs> Yeah, you guys, um, you guys but, ripping off me from that old uh, Stafford thing yes. I did. Uh, but Ryan, I'll I'll let you explain if, if you'd like. Why why are you so vehemently against this move? And is it is it an all quarterbacks thing at three, or is it specifically a two thing? Um, just yeah, floor is yours. I I think it's I think it's a two thing specifically just because of that injury. I think if Tua doesn't sustain that injury, sure, there are question marks about him playing behind you know, uh, an all college offensive line at Alabama where he's insulated with a really good defense and set up with good situations and, you know, playing with the best players. He has two wide receivers who are probably going to go in the top 20. One of them is going to be in the top seven. So I think, I think with all of that in mind, like there were question marks about Tua, but at the same time, there are question marks about Joe Burrow. He did it for one year. So there's going to be question marks with any quarterback at the top of the draft. But I think once you start getting into medicals and you start getting into whether or not he's going to ever fully recover and be the same player as he was before that hip injury, I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like all the prognosis says he's going to, he's going to be good, but I just think it's, I think it's specifically a two, a thing for me at three, but, but that's ignoring all of the, that's ignoring all the pressure that's on the front office, right? Because yeah, if, if we right. if we completely cut that off and we say, all right, so in this hypothetical situation, you're not thinking like the front office of the Lions currently is right now, but if you were just in this vacuum situation where a player like Tua was available, I still I, I don't know if I can spend the third overall pick on on such a question mark. Okay, well have you have you seen Pro Football Focus's mock that, that dropped today? The kind of <laughs> let, yeah, yes. let me throw that scenario at you. So the Lions in that mock draft. They they trade down from three to five. They still get Jeffrey Okuda. They get awesome. a second first round pick, and they spend that one on Jordan Love. After they trade up to after, get Jordan they, Love, yes, after they trade up from twenty six to twenty two, I think it is to grab Jordan Love. Um, let's 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 for now let's throw the trade up away because I know that part is disgusting to pretty much everyone. Let's say the Lions somehow pull off this trade. They get a second first round pick, and then they take a quarterback. If if it's not Jordan Love, it's your your quarterback of choice. Mm-hmm. Are you are you good with that? I mean, I think Jordan Love's I'm better not, than the options coming out next year in Trevor Lawrence, but that's me. But sorry, go, yeah, on, go and, on, Ryan. Uh, the, the the last point I want to make about any situation with which the Lions take a quarterback in the first round 
they mentioned this in that PFF article. They said, well, with the capital that the Lions were able to, you know, gain in the draft by moving back from three to five, they can afford to play it kind of risky. Right. No, they can't. <laughs> no, they literally cannot. If you know anything yeah. about the situation in Allen Park, there is no screwing around. This draft needs to be balls to the wall. There are contributors that you are drafting. If you're moving from three to five to get Okuda and get an extra first round pick, every single Lions fan should be slamming the button on that because that is just that that is that is a king's ransom. Right. But to take a quarterback is something that just cannot happen that early in this draft. You can't do yeah. it. And and the the thing that really kind of bothers me about the idea of drafting a quarterback high right now for the lions is that the whole idea of getting a quarterback on a rookie deal, like that's, that's what everyone is excited about, right? Like getting a young talented guy on a rookie deal. So you aren't spending 25 million plus on a quarterback. You can, you can spend that money elsewhere, but here's the problem. Like that makes your window so small to, to contend, to get to the super bowl, to, to do what the chiefs did. Um, with Patrick Mahomes, you have to have an M first of all, you have to have an MVP level quarterback and that's not easy to do. Okay. Let, let's look at Josh Rosen. Let's look at Mitchell Trubisky. There are, uh, there are so many more examples of not hitting on your first round quarterback in the first five years than there are of, of hitting immediately. But like with a guy with Tua, you're sitting your, fir your first year. So there's one out of your four years already gone. Your second year, you think the lines are going to turn it around immediately in 2021 with Tua starting his first games? No, that's essentially his rookie year. So now year two is gone. You've got two years essentially to, to take advantage of that low rookie quarterback contract. And then year five, you're either on your, your fifth year option deal, which is expensive, or you're, if he was that good, suddenly you're paying him again. And now you're paying him 30 million a year. And so to me, Matthew Stafford's contract is about to become kind of a bargain uh, when you compare to guys that, that have gotten deals since, when you compare to whatever Patrick Mahomes is going to make this offseason, he's going to look not that bad, not cap-breaking. We've seen teams spend a lot on a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is about to make $30 million a year, I think, and still be able to build a team. And so I don't buy excuse, this excuse that the Lions need to get young, the Lions need to get take advantage of of a high draft pick and get that rookie deal because it just, it shortens your window in my opinion. And, and we've seen teams be able to, to succeed with a, a veteran quarterback on a big deal. Yeah. I just, I think the, I think the NFL is going to try to do some sort of rat fucking kind of like what baseball does with its arbitration process. Cause like, I, I yeah. think they realize this is probably something they want to make sure quarterbacks, are faces of teams, but at the same time, they I think they are going to start hearing more and more owners talking about like, well, the contracts have now gotten to the point where it's crushing everyone. It's crushing everyone and stopping them from, from building teams. And of course, this is a league full of just inbred owners who are only a couple steps away from the Brown family in that they're just absolute skin flints. And they'll probably try to come up with something rather than raise the salary cap. So I just, I don't, here's, here's the thing is that I, I hate to shut it down as a scenario of it doesn't make sense for 2020, but it doesn't make sense for 2020. You've got a coach and a general manager who are on a prove it year, pretty much. You've got them in a win now mentality with a team that desperately needs help 
on the defensive side of the ball and a quarterback under contract who I don't think any concern with Stafford at this point is about his skill for a second. There is no concern at all about Stafford for his skill. The concern is there for his health. And I think you can at least manage that for the 2020 year. Now, if that turns around, great, fantastic. That, that's the thing is 2020 is a weird linchpin year for the Lions. Either Patricia and Quinn turn it around, they become playoff contenders, great, fantastic. You know what? They get to stick around for three more years or whatever, and then suddenly then you can start thinking about the rookie quarterback you want to take and groom while Stafford plays out the rest of his contract years. Or, hey, maybe Stafford does shake off injury concerns and takes it to another level we didn't think about. Great. Then you can throw out the rookie thing out the window. But nothing makes sense for 2020. And the problem is that because it's all very short term for the Lions, even discussing a lot of this idea of taking a rookie quarterback, because at the end of the day, that is a multi-year commitment. That, As you say, Jeremy, like I know you're talking about a small window, but it's a, it's a window that also has a ramp-up time to get started, too. You can't just... Yeah. Kyler Murray this and just throw him right in there talent around him, a rookie matters so I I just I just find it just kind of fascinating that we're just all kind of ignoring it I think what's happening is a lot of guys doing these drafts are approaching it as if they were the general manager and they weren't under the sword of Damocles that Bob Quinn is under that they're not the one that they have plenty of years to build they're they're thinking the thing they're thinking rationally is what I'm saying. They're thinking they're looking at a team and thinking rationally, and what they're not doing is thinking irrationally. They're not thinking about that their job's under pressure or that a team ha- has to take the irrational choice to try to win now rather than doing what is best for them in the in the contingency of of the team. Because I think in in the logical arc. That makes total sense. You want to draft a quarterback for the future. Of course you do. I don't know. Still, I and then it comes down to arguing about whether 2020 is the year to do it with that talent there or whether you just keep waiting. But again, we're talking about an irrational team right now in the Detroit Lions. And the irrational team is not going to take a backup quarterback who, who's going to play from the sidelines in 2020. They're going to take something that can help them win now to save their jobs right now. Uh, I think the rational thing is even if you didn't like Tua is like maybe you stock up picks for 2021 or something. But either way, like my point stands. These guys aren't going, this isn't a 100% rational. I'm not saying that's not bad. If you want to win now, you want to win now. But it, it's not the worldview that's being taken by the these people who are ma- mocking Tua to the Lions. All right, we're, we're running up against it. Let me talk real quick about the news that came down Monday night from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Um, he reports that the Lions and Darius Slay continue to discuss, I'll, I'll quote him here because it's a very interesting tweet, and that's all we get is a tweet from Jeremy Fowler. says, the Lions and Pro Bowl quarterback Darius Slay continue to discuss a long-term contract, but the expectation exists that he could re-enter the trade market if no deal is reached in the coming weeks per source. Both sides have been at this for a while. Still no deal for 2021 free agency. Um, that I mean, That's a lot to take in on one tweet because the first clause is very positive. They continue to discuss a long-term contract, but the expectation exists that he could re-enter the trade market. Ryan, is this good or bad news? Uh, I think it's ultimately bad news for sure 
because it means a couple of things. One, Darius Slay was on the trade market at one time. Yeah. I mean, Bob Quinn kind of said trade talks never progressed any serious talks during the, the trade deadline last year, but there were certainly a lot of rumors at that time. Yeah, and the possibility of him re-entering the trade market is a bad thing for the Lions because he's one of their best players. And I know that Darius Slay is 29. I know that his contract is coming up after the season in 2020. And there's a track record with 30-year-old blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Like you said it in the... The previous talk we were just having, Jeremy, where you said, you know, Tua someday ends up being this quarterback that you have to pay $40 million a year. That Yeah, that's an awesome best case scenario. Right. Really good players should get paid really good money. Yeah. So Darius Slay is worth the money that you pay him because sometimes it's better to just roll with the dogs that you know that can fight than to not. CC Bob Quinn, Graham Glasgow. <laughs> I mean, just does, doesn't that make sense to you, Chris? I mean, doesn't it make sense to keep one of the team's best defensive players, regardless of what you need to pay him, pay him because he is proven to be good and he has not proven to be bad otherwise? No, man, it's not the Patriot way. You're not filling. You don't see it. You don't get it. You're not fitting in, man. You're not fitting into this model of like total absolute subservience and bowing like you. He didn't just didn't bow fast enough when Patricia entered the room or some shit. Like it's it's so, me. Yeah, it's so Trade me inf- to the field goals. So infuriating right. to even think about it, this man. Like just I, I don't I don't like owners much in any sport, but like I just keep thinking about like just how many other teams would have just an iota of loyalty here. And I just I, I don't understand it, man. I, I just don't. And once again, we talk about this being a win now year, and they're talking about this like, hey, yeah. You know what the win now move would be is to just sign him to a long-term contract. Just don't quibble about it. Just get it done because you need him for 2020. But I think pride is an issue here for the Boston boys. And I don't, I, uh, I, I, I think, just, I, I think what Darius Slay was saying in the aftermath of the Quandre Diggs has wounded some pride. And I am curious to see how, like, again, I don't know these guys. I have to uh, go off of, I, I ideally I'd be, you know, talking to them or even trying to get a read of them sometimes, but they seem to dislike this idea of ever explaining themselves. So I, uh, I can only go off of what I can read from the tea leaves here. And it just, I, I don't get it. You, you, this, this is a no, this is a layup. This is a layup. And it's just like, well, I don't know. Suddenly the, <laughs> the world is going to learn very quickly how good Darius Slay is. If he ever leaves Detroit. The, the thing that bothers me the most about this is this should have been done last year. Yes, it would have saved the no, lines more yes. money. Um, it, w- it would have saved a lot of stress. It would have saved a lot of Darius Slay saying certain things in the public. Um, he still obviously would have been mad after the Quandre Diggs trade, but um, and and it's not like Slay's been trashing the organization or anything like that. But if this all would have just gotten done last year, everything would be so much more smoothly. And if the lines are still at the negotiating table, it tells you that they're still interested in the guy. And so maybe the demands are just too high. Maybe maybe. It's, it's all that, and if, if that were the case, the Lions probably should have traded him at the deadline, but uh, the fact that this is going on now and Bob Quinn is facing a situation where he needs to extend a guy now, which is not something that he typically likes to do. He'd rather do it in the summer. shows to me that the Lions really made their mistake last year, and now they're scrambling. Yeah, 
And I and mean, we're, we're gonna yeah, I, we're gonna leave it at that. Okay, because we are over on time. You cut me off doing this all the time, Chris. So I'm glad I get to the opportunity to do you it to you. Son of finally. a bitch. <laughs> when we come back, it's mailbag time. We got a ton of questions this week and a lot of interesting ones. So stick to stick around. We'll be right back. Hashtag AskPOD. Anytime on Twitter, you can send us your questions about the Lions, about the draft, about free agency, about movies, about anime if you want, but preferably not anime. Um, Definitely not wrestling. Um, And also don't forget to send us your reviews. We'll be reading reviews as they come in. Uh, But let's let's jump right into it. You guys ready for the mailbag? No. Perfect. All right. First question. Uh, Let's let's. Let's start with some Super Bowl-esque questions. Uh, Kyle Warwick at Kyle underscore Warwick asks, you're the GM of an expansion team. Are you roster building like the Chiefs or the 49ers? I like this question a lot. Uh, I think it's easier to build as the 49ers than it is to build as the uh, Chiefs. Yeah, because the difference between those two teams is that one of them has a really good defense and the other one has a generational quarterback and it's not easy to find those. They have a good offense in San Francisco too. It's just not with a quarterback. Like if you plugged Patrick Mahomes Mahomes. to the 49ers, it would be like, we were just talking about, Hey, can this be a, a dynasty team during, during the break? That would be a dynasty team without question. Yeah. They would clean up every year. That's why I almost view what Jeremy said in the last segment, or or maybe this was when we were kind of in between segments, but Mm. I could see the Chiefs as a team kind of make a little run here because Mahomes like is that guy. And I think that you saw that an awful lot during Peyton's years in Indianapolis when Mm -hmm. the Colts had they had, you know, shit for nothing defenses, but they had the best quarterback in football. And that kept them in almost any game that they were playing. They also had a hall of fame wide receiver too, whose name we won't mention here. I I don't know. One guy caught a lot of passes and scored touchdowns. I, don't, I, I, don't. I didn't see him. Was he John Cena? You can't see him. <laughs> the one thing about the Niners though, is like they kind of had the fortune of having a bunch of top five picks. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. more, and, and the, they one use them worry, on... the one where I have with the Niners, that it kind of feels a little bit kind of like the Rams of, of the other year. Right. Where it's like this incredibly talented roster, but I just worry just like they're going to start stepping on rakes uh, coming up here because they just lack the pieces court that which is a quarterback to really have sustained success sometimes. Yeah, everybody yeah. is all the way out on Jimmy Garoppolo, and I don't know if I want to sell all my Jimmy Garoppolo stock, but what's, inter- what's, in- what's interesting about the 49ers is that they don't really have any skill position players that they are faced with having to pay significant amounts of money to anytime soon. Yeah. Like Debo Samuel is a rookie. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the only guy who's getting paid, but yeah, they don't, they don't have any running backs like the Rams. You know, they're not, you know, Todd Gurley isn't this big 
this big boulder, this big burden on their on their rosters on their roster uh, or on their salary cap. So I don't know. It's I, interesting. I, yeah, I do kind of believe more so in the building through the ch- trenches type of build, which I think would define what the 49ers are trying to do. Whereas Chiefs are just you know wep- offensive weapon after offensive weapon, and and they they have their fair share of, of guys they can put their hand in the dirt too. But I think if you're looking for a dichotomy dichotomy between the two teams, that's maybe the, the philosophical difference. And I tend to land, land a little bit more on the 49er side. All right. Next question comes from Nick Coscarelli at Coscarelli, Nick on Twitter, also a common guy in our, our Twitch chat. He asks, if you put a piece of lasagna on top of a piece of lasagna, do you have one big piece of lasagna or two lasagnas? Chris, I defer to you. Why are you deferring to me, Jeremy? Why are you deferring to me? <laughs> because why, why I could feel that like be? this is a, a mailbag question that you seem to have been offended by, and I had to read it. It's just lasagna. That's all it is. It's just a bigger lasagna. <laughs> you can layer your lasagna. It's not special just because it's layered. It's it's just it's more it's just more lasagna in one in one thing. It's a bigger lasagna. That's all it is. You don't have two lasagnas. It's not. Unless unless it's like it was originally the proper size of lasagna and you just took one slice of lasagna and put it on top, cut it out from the lasagna and then put it on top on another slice you cut out. Then it's just two lasagnas and you're just being a gabagool. You're just being a sh- have, no, 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 Ryan, you do not get a voice on this. Please. I'm sorry. You need sorry. to know this. All right, fine. I had an aversion for so much of my early childhood to eating lasagna because I thought it was cat food because Garfield ate it. <laughs> I'm so glad I let you talk. What? I, I was I was really I was really skeeved out about the idea that a cat really liked this kind of food. So I was like, me and cats aren't the same. See, and I like, thought it was going to be like the like, same kinds of food. I thought it was going to be like me. I didn't like tomato sauce much as a kid. Sometimes I, I but I was very picky as a kid. Like I didn't even like cheeseburgers all either like which is why i now eat yeah. fish fillets when i go to mcdonald's but like no that makes sure. that makes sense i guess uh for a very <laughs> you also especially American. hate mondays ryan i would hope so um yeah i mean who who, who doesn't <laughs> wow. all right, serious. all right i was like no, 12 no we're done with it 12 <laughs> If you were like eight or seven, I could buy it. <laughs> it lasted longer than it needed to. Kind of like the response to this question. Jeremy. Yes. Uh, at Prime Slay on Twitter asks us, and we're going to keep it Super Bowl related. How many of the best Super Bowl snacks, in parentheses, mozzarella sticks, did you have last night? Uh, none. The gas was shut off in my apartment and I worked the Monday overnight at Fox sports radio on Ben Maller and outkick the coverage. So all I really got to do was sit around, drink an energy drink, uh, when, when pick up some chicken from El Pollo Loco, which was good. But other than that, uh, I had no snacks, man. (laughs) I really wanted some too. And I didn't. Ryan, I can see you're you're here not throwing up over a toilet, so clearly you didn't have any mozzarella sticks last night. What what did you have though? I'm so ashamed. What? No. Ryan. I didn't have any mozzarella sticks. But I went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh. Hmm. This could go one of two ways. I no, ate a I side think- salad. What? <laughs> 
I ate a side salad. A side? Okay, wow. You're not the Ryan I remember. I don't know if that's good or bad because their wings are so bad. It, it's good, but a salad for the Super Bowl just seems wrong. Look, I didn't have many options, so I went with what I could best do, and it was terrible. Watching the halftime show at Buffalo Wild Wings is one of the worst experiences that I've had as a sports fan. <laughs> I'll let you know that I had a very fun time with my good friend Alex Reno, who you guys may know. And we had Jets pizza, and it was delicious. Oh, my God. Oh, sick. Thanks for the invite. Need some Jets out here, I man. Mean, you're, you're- how how are we supposed to contend with Buffalo Wild Wings and their amazing salads? You should have you should have asked uh, if I wanted any lasagna. I like lasagna now. I'm glad you've matured past. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. From our comment section, feel the burn. Twenty twenty asks, in your opinion, what is the single most important quality contributing to success in an NFL player? Oh, jeez. It's a very big. I'm I'm gonna let you guys think on this one for a little bit, and the will to win. Like, <laughs> well, grit, testicular I fortitude. I, I, is a mentality more so than anything. I do think people that are players that kind of almost have like this sociopathic belief that not only are they the best, but they continue. They need to continue to prove that they're best. Yeah, in, in a way that like. I, I hate to, to bring it up because of, you know, like the, the Mamba mentality is something that I think you absolutely have to have as a professional athlete, especially in the NFL, where you could have it one one week and it's gone the next. Yeah. Listen, I think in any walk of life, you can walk into someone who is in is basically a functioning psychopath. Our, our culture is full of them, be it Tim Cook with Apple, Kobe Bryant in the NBA, people who are just able to not only be psychopathic and hate everyone around them, but also to like, just do more than them and convince the rest of us that we just need to hustle harder. That's all we're missing. Just hustle harder, man. And that's not true. But in the NFL, like because we've kind of ingrained ourselves to this, to this culture of that's what it is, is that that does matter. And it, it's, it's a funny conversation going on in the NFL right now, because some people are saying, they're talking about guys who are either retiring earlier or who are just comfortable because they're not they're not playing as long. Listen, but a lot of that I think is because more about the money is there now. Like you can you don't need contract after contract. You're not like a prize fighter coming back needing one more fight. You can be good on the money you make after like your first or second free agency contract for the rest of your life. Uh but they but on the other hand, you look at some of those guys from yesteryear, and part of that was the money, but also part of it was because there were just some actual psychopaths playing football who just, you had to drag them kicking and screaming away from playing football. I think some guys are wiser now. That's a good thing, by the way. But there are some guys out there who, like, you, you see it sometimes. Some of those guys are still up there on those NFL desks for pregame shows or on the NFL network are convinced, deathly convinced that they just need to lace them up and go out there and keep and play one more time. And they could show all these young kids who's boss. That kind of mentality is, uh, it's very powerful. It's very powerful. If you're in the right place. 
All right. Uh, next question comes from our, our friend Single Digit on Pride of Detroit. He asks, do you think the NFC North is ripe for the taking next season? Packers 13-3 and was a complete mirage. Vikings are due for their every other year malaise. The Bears are due for another step down due to terrible draft capital and cap hell. It's right there, right in front of the Lions. Yeah, and that's why they won't ha- it won't happen. <laughs> you kidding me? That 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 screams Lions in third place right there. It's right there I mean, for the taking. Hey, that's that's progression right there. Fourth to third, baby. <laughs> that's essentially the Lions' worst to first. This is fourth to third. That'll buy the Boston boys another year. <laughs> boys will be back in town. I mean, I don't necessarily really buy that the NFC North is right for the taking. No, I think the Vikings will stick around a little more. I don't buy that the Packers are going to just bomb out. I know it was a, the right. record was a bit of a mirage, but Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't completely fallen off the table yet, and they're going to keep getting help there. Um, you know they've got a yeah, new I mean, they've got a new coach in place. It's going to take some time, and they've got that front office. Like I was shocked a couple of years ago when Green Bay actually went out and like signed free agents. Like, right, like come yeah, on, man. they they have defensive talent now. They have mm-hmm. two edge rushers that that change the dynamic of that team. And yeah, thirteen and three was probably not as good as they were. And yeah, they'll, they'll probably do for some regression. But I mean, thirteen to three to thirteen and three to eleven and five. Like that's the kind of regression I'm expecting from the Packers next year. Bears, you know, they've already announced that Mitchell Trubisky is their quarterback going forward, so they're best of nine win team. Besides Mitch, um, like that's still an impressively talented team in Chicago. I hate to true. say it. Like he'll screw yeah. up a lot. He'll screw up a lot, and that probably dooms them. But that defensive talent's enough to stimmy the Lions in at least one, maybe two games. Brian, what's your outview of the NFC North in 2020? Bleak. <laughs> That's it. All right, dropping the mic at Bleak. All right, let's finish. Now that the NFL is over, it's time for New League. We to had take an anime over. question. Oh, you want to take that one too? All right, let's take that one before we move to XFL. Are you sure? Spoiler okay. alert. <laughs> wow, you're you're in a dark place here. XFL or anime? Well, it's not just an anime question. Ryan Collins at Shafty Von Hack, our good friend on Twitter, asks, with football being over and baseball a couple months away, what anime TV series slash movie should I watch next to pass the time? I'm going to open this to any TV movie. But, Chris, I know you got anime recommendations. Well, so I think, I think he's saying there. anime TV series or anime movie is how he's phrased well, that. Well, that's, that's not how, how I'm it. I know. I well, know I want us all to be involved with this one. So, well, this is a great time to plug my friend and coworker Alex Tyshirt, who has created his own podcast called Weeb Nation, uh, where he has done some pretty good stuff. Uh, Alex Tyshirt, kind of the guy who trained me on the board at Fox Sports Radio, he and his friend have kind of created their own podcast. It's still very new. I desperately urge people to check it out, help them bring uh, bring it up if you are of the anime uh, mind. And then if they start to get a crowd, tell them to have hit me on sometime so I can talk about the weird manga I read. Uh, I know they just reviewed, they just saw the movie Weathering with You, which had a limited release here in Los Angeles uh, by the creator of the anime movie Your Name, which was critically acclaimed. Just beautiful, beautiful movie. So I know that's out there. Uh, Shows, I mean, I think I talked about uh, (laughs) Vinland Saga more than a few times before I got kicked off the podcast. But I think that full season should be up on... 
Amazon Prime now. I don't know too many new things right now. I'm still kind of catching my ground. I also just got CBS All Access so I could watch Star Trek Picard. And now I've been going back and watching Star Trek Discovery as well. So I've been all over the place. Um, yeah, but th- those are the two that I would say right off the bat for, for your Japanese animation, Weathering With You and Vinland Saga. And of course, you know, actually one more is Demon, Sl- Demon Slayer, but I think Demon Slayer and Vinland Saga have now been out for a while that, sh- that you've probably heard of at least one of them or seen one of them if you're in anime. Ryan, you got any TV or movie recommendations for the the hurting off season fans? Um, if you haven't watched Fleabag, you should watch Fleabag. Amazon, agree. If you've already watched Fleabag, then probably watch Fleabag again. <laughs> Our chat suggests rewatching. I think you should leave, which is always a good idea. Mm. <laughs> it's always nice to go back and rewatch those. Did I the mention Witcher thing before? I, I can give. Off? I think you started with talking a little bit about the Witcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Witcher's good. The the closest thing I can offer as an anime recommendation, which isn't anime at all, but it's it's fantasy ish, is uh, Watchmen, the HBO series. I've heard good things. It was on very that good. Too. It was very good. It, it kind of blew me away after a slow start. Like episode four, just kind of kicks oh, into high gear. Oh, and, hold on. One more. For, one more for me. Um, sorry to cut you off, Jeremy. That was pretty much done. Okay. Um, I saw Uncut Gems the other week. I know it's not in theaters mm-hmm. anymore, but holy shit, go see that uh, as soon as you can. Um, the reason I thought that's of it—that's the Adam Sandler movie with Kevin. The Billy Madison. What, what's that? Sequel to Billy Madison? No, it's not the sequel. Shut the fuck up. This isn't even Sandler. Like anything you've seen Sandler in before, he's more like John Turturro out there. Uh, Kevin Garnett is in the movie. It is. I think the Deadspin pop-up site that came up for the weekend of the Super Bowl said it is the best movie about watching sports, and that's very true. It's a super tense movie. It's by the Safdie brothers who made Good Times. It's super tense. It's kind of a little bleak. Kevin Garnett, though, great acting job in there. Adam Sandler, huge, great acting job. Massive s- snub by the Academy. A uh, lot of they they did a great podcast episode on this podcast called Chapo Trap House talking about the Safdie brothers talking about the non-traditional actors like actual people from the di- from New York's Diamond District and pawnbrokers they use as actors in the movie it's incredibly well done the only reason I thought of it is because I was thinking because I had just taken a friend to see uh, the old anime movie Akira and there's a piece of the Uncut Gem soundtrack that has these drums to it that sounds like it's out of the Akira soundtrack so that's my mind, but you should see Uncut Gems. All right, let's finish off the mailbag. As a, this is the XFL. The XFL has now taken over. XFL games start next weekend. This weekend, I should say. Saturday. So at Rob Roos. I'm going to go uh, to an LA Wildcats game at some point here. My friend Adam's back in town, and we, we are committed. I, I we usually Maybe. work overnights on the weekends, but I am going to go see an LA Wildcats game. I'll report back. Maybe we'll have you back as like a sideline reporter. Sideline reporter for the LA Wildcats. <laughs> uh, but Robert asks, will you watch the XFL? And if so, is there any player that interests you in particular? I, I find it fascinating. People are already trying to poo poo on the XFL. I mean, I don't expect it to last too long, but like, I know a lot of people who like to say they're diehard football fans, but then you start to show them another football that isn't like FBS or NFL and they start to be like, Oh, I'm picky now. Come on. I think 
I kind of fall in that category. I think I know you do. I've like, tried with the CFL forever. Part of it is like, I want to catch my breath a little bit. Like the yeah. season just no, no, no. ended. That, I like, agree. I don't want to jump right into a new season and a whole, like, give me at least two weeks. Well, I think, I think my month. point is that I, I hang out with some guys who are the mentality of like, Oh, I want football all the time. But I think you're, you're the clear eyed one, Jeremy. Most people don't want to be watching football for like 24, 26 weeks of the year. Right. Like it, it yeah. you're, you're ready for like people. This is more about, I know some people who I work with who complain nonstop about the off season, about how long it is and they want more games. Well, I, I do that too. <laughs> well, I mean, but uh, yeah, no. So I'm sorry. Go on. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'll still watch to just kind of like see how it all works. There are some interesting new rules. I'm not, that interested in any individual players the, the players to me are and and it's kind of crude to say because these guys are trying to make a living but the players are the most are the least interesting part about the new league i'm more interested in the new rules interested in, in how it plays out and if it is viable in terms of talent level but i don't know there, there's not any specific players where i'm like ooh, i, I wonder if his career will get you're not here to you see know, the amazing michigan state spartan connor cook not in the slightest. Sorry, Sparties. Well, I do have some names here I want to get to. Um, because I okay. did I was looking through the rosters on American Football International that had all of them. There were a few that jump, jumped out. Uh first off, I learned that Nico Siragusa is not related to Tony Siragusa at all. Um, <laughs> so my interest in him him completely vanished, but I know he's out of uh San Diego State, and I know he just was one of these kids. I think he like tore his ACL, MCL, and PCL when he was with the Ravens, and then just got put into like into waiver wire hell for a couple of years. So we'll see if he can make a rebound. Sammy Coates is actually out here playing for um. Where's hold up? I just had it up. I, I need to see where Coates is playing. Yeah, uh, Coates. Houston, whatever Houston's yeah, team Houston is Houston rene- like Renegades or something. Um, Toledo to LA here. How about this? Storm, uh, Nor- uh, Storm Norton, offensive tackle. Stor- the name bracket champion of 2019. That's right. Storm Norton, man. Think. He's going to be playing for the Wildcats. Monster um, of a man. I will also say that uh, the one guy I really want to keep an eye on playing for DC is Tyree Jackson former quarterback out of the university of Buffalo. Um, he was, I was actually really fascinated with him. He's, he's a Michigan native. I was fascinated with him at Buffalo and he just never really became much of anything in the NFL, in the NFL. And then of course, you know, you've got Landry Jones and as I said, Connor Cook, some other guys who have mm-hmm. kind of been almost has beens, but like those are the few names that jump out to me like right away, right there. What about you, Ryan? Are you getting swept up in XFL fever? I'm not getting swept up in XL fever. XFL fever. I feel like I'm Bart Simpson at the beginning of a Simpsons episode, and I'm going to write that on the chalkboard again <laughs> and again and again until I learn my lesson, because I think we all should have learned our lesson with the AFL. But um, Brian, my... Broyles? Brian Broyles, that's kind of exciting, right? Broyles would be did, anybody say, did anybody say Marquette King yet? Nope, I haven't said King yet. I did not know he was in the XFL. Marquette King is in the XFL, and if there's a player who is more perfect for what I think the XFL wants from its players, or at least what it wanted from its players in 1998 or whatever, then Marquette King is 
the perfect player to be punting footballs in the XFL. Listen, at the end of the day, I, like you I just need you you need a league for that second tier of talent. I've always said that. Like you listen to any of those guys who used to play in NFL Europe and they talk about how invaluable that experience is. Yes, I get it. Most guys want to limit how much they play just because like their bodies can't hold up to too much play. But for some guys who need to make that team, who need that tape, like you need something like this. You really do. It's not to be good football. The problem is, of course, because it's non-related with the NFL, they have to make that money that way. But I'm just saying, like, this is ultimately a good to watch some of these players. Like, I know the AAF didn't really turn things around, but also the AAF turned into a snake pit almost immediately. Literally a repeat of the USFL from the 80s with one owner suddenly holding the entire league hostage to some dumb idea he got in his head. And that first original owner, not the AAF, but the USFL, is now your president of the United States and thinks the Super Bowl champion is from Kansas. (laughs) And with that, that is the end of the POD cast. Chris, Thank you for joining us again. We missed you. I wasn't here to I begin with. What are you talking about? A little bit. I hope we missed you. Missed us a little yeah, bit. I, I you might not really, really. I just kind of strong arm my way onto this because I was getting really bored. <laughs> I don't really have another project in mind right now, and uh, January hasn't been going well for me. Uh, other than I'm, the well, right I'm teams glad, winning, so glad to be your consolation prize. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Ryan, as always, a pleasure, and you, the listener. Yeah even more of a pleasure. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hopefully have a midweek podcast for you, but we'll definitely be here back on our normal Sundays. So stay with us.